Hello everyone and welcome back to the Pretty Bubbles podcast. We are back for a new season with myself, Daryl, Mig, Jamie and James. How you doing, fellas? Good, good. Yeah, all good, mate. Nice yeah, few no. weeks off. Bit of a summer. But, yeah. Well, not with the weather. <laughs> we, no, we it was good for a while. It's just been shit the last week. We haven't been able to talk much of the cricket, have we? That wind last night was awful. Not just wind. Wind. That we, went over to, we went over to East Farrett v Concord. And the first half was lovely. It was windy, but the second half, it was like December. Horrendous weather. Right, let's crack on with the new season. Um, so we're going to win the league. We're going to... Sorry, I just throwing that out there early. After we're going to win the league. If we, if, if we can win two games at once, imagine how good we'll be when we actually can put all our players in one team. We're going to win yeah. the league. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about the fixture list that came out last Thursday, which I believe was the 20th. Then we're going to talk about um, the board and the lack of transfers. <laughs> the then, we're talk, then we're going to talk about the double friendly we had yesterday. And then we're going to have a quick discussion on the England squad, which Declan Rice will play or is in the squad for both games of the Euro League, whatever you call it these days. Nations League. Nations League. So let's crack on with the fixture list. Um, I'm going to quickly read out the first <laughs> eight fixtures. <laughs> oh, kill me right. now! And then, and then let's have a little discussion on it. So, uh, the league starts on Saturday, the twelfth of September. None of these have yet been put onto a TV schedule, so they're all Saturdays for the time being. I think by the time this is hitting the airways, we'll probably have a bit more information because I think Sky are releasing their fixtures very soon. Potentially, yes. Yeah, so. It's all subject to change. Let's put it that way. So on Saturday, the twelfth of September, West Ham will play at home to Newcastle. What a start! Um, no big six, get in. And then, and that's where it then gets interesting. It all goes downhill very so, quickly. The nineteenth of September, we play Arsenal away. The twenty-sixth of September, we play Wolves at home. Third um, of October will be Leicester away. Seventeenth of October, after the international break, will be Spurs away. Twenty-fourth of October will be um, we get to play Messi away, uh, Messi at home. Uh, Manchester City, um, and then we play on the 31st of October, Liverpool away at Anfield, and then we play Fulham. So that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fixtures, no, seven fixtures, are horrendous. Yep. It's, it's, it's not pretty. It, to be fair, the first three ain't bad, like Arsenal and Wolves, that's hard, but it's that October where you're like Tottenham, Man City, Liverpool, you're like, yeah, that's not nice. You, you've got to look at that going, if we can get anywhere near sort of five points. If we're somehow outside the relegation zone after those seven games, then Jesus Christ, I'm impressed. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. I can't see. Newcastle, we've got to be looking to win that early season. Especially the way we finished last season. But we know what troubles they've given us with um, St Maximum and, and players like that. But after that, I can't see us... Unless unless we go on one of them runs, I can't see us picking up much. You can... Yeah. I mean, as Jamie said, I think Arsenal and Wolves, are, and to an extent Leicester, the way they finished last season, it depends yeah. how they start off this season. They're, so the first four... Um, you can see us getting some points from. You can see us getting something with Newcastle, Arsenal. You never know. Like again, similar to to Leicester, you don't know how what they're going to turn up like. So it wouldn't be too much of a surprise for us to get something. Wolves as well. I mean, obviously, a very good side. Um, 
early season, it's always difficult to tell what exactly what team's going to turn up. But it's, it's yeah, as we say, that October with Spurs, Man City and Liverpool back to back to back, it's, that is. And the worry is, if you do struggle in those first seven fixtures, confidence like can be through the floor and then yeah. you're struggling because the three fixtures after that are Fulham, Sheffield United and Villa and they're three games where you're thinking you need points out of them. If you're struggled in your first seven, those three, you need to bounce back and if your confidence is... They're almost is, must wins. Yeah, potentially. If, if, you, if you're at that stage and you say, maybe you've picked up three points against Newcastle and you've lost the rest, like you're in dire, dire straits there. So it's really about how you're you bounce back from that and that's a lot down to your manager and the actual character of the players themselves as well. So it's going to be very interesting. I remember saying in one of our last pods, I went, everyone's going to be quick to turn on Moyes if it goes bad. And now you're kind of like, he's the odds on, he's the favourite to get relegated. Uh, yeah. Sacked, which when, they, when they when uh, they released the fixtures, he went from 10 to 1 to 5 to 1 to be first manager sacked. That's mad. But, with but it's understandable like, as well. With a I mean, list like that, it could easily happen. The thing is, I don't, I don't know what they expect from him though. If they can't, it's almost you can't sack a manager that you're not invested any money in. I think, I think he'll get, ten, I think he'll get to ten games. I think Villa, if because you've got, you've got to give some sort of leeway in that first seven. But yeah, if he got, doesn't pick up results against Fulham, Brent, uh, Fulham, Sheffield United, and. Villa, yeah, well, then it's after November, isn't it? That, that, yeah. That's the cut off, really. Then you're in a bit of bother. Um, so after after that, um, the month of December is quite an interesting month as well. So we play United, Leeds, Palace, Chelsea, um, currently at home on Boxing Day, which I'm sure will be changed, um, to potentially the Sunday, um, and then Southampton. It's not a terrible month. No, you're looking at those. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I'm really interested to see how Leeds do this season. They've just signed uh, Rodrigo from Valencia, which is um, potentially a cracking signing. Um, so, be interesting to see how they start this season. Uh, I think they'll do pretty well. I think they could be uh, sort of the, the Sheffield United of, of this campaign. Yeah. Um, Palace, you're always fancying something there. Chelsea, we seem to have an all right record against. Obviously, done the double over them last season, and then Brighton and Southampton. They're two games you're looking at. We could get some points there. So December's a big month, and even into January as well. I think January's quite a big one because. So January we play Everton on the second. Um, then I believe it will be FA Cup weekend. Then we play West Brom, Burnley, Palace, and then Liverpool. So and so first three, first four in that month have got to be looked at of getting something. I know we don't get a lot at Goodison Park. You know, I always I always look at sort of, for us as well, I'm just skipping forward here, to your last handful of games because that's when you might need points. And our last five games are Burnley, Everton, Brighton, West Brom, Southampton. So it's not a terrible run-in at the end of the season there. Only problem with that is three away, two at home. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I know that might mean nothing because we still might not potentially have many fans in the stadium by that point. We really don't know with uh, COVID. But, um, yeah, that's... And to be fair, we've got a really good record against Southampton last out of season. So you'd fancy something if you need something. But is there any fixture on there, and I'm going to ask all of you, that you're really, really looking forward to watching or if you get a potential going to... I'll, you know what? I'm probably going to do option three on my season ticket, but if Messi joined uh, Man City, I'd just love to go and watch him. That's the only thing. Like, if Messi went to Man City, I'd do anything to try and see that game. But other than that, uh, Tottenham at home, February 20th, always stands out. Yep. Like, that's always one I look for. Um, Arsenal as well are probably the two. But with this whole season, not knowing when we'll be back, what yeah, sort of way. It's hard to get excited over like. Yeah, week. I'm not in any rush to be honest. James, much... is there any, any fixture that you look that stands out? Um, I always, I always look forward to um, the Tottenham fixtures, always, um, and I'm looking forward to playing Leeds for the first oh, time in about Leeds. 15 years. Leeds at home is the one which we play Leeds at home on 
sixth of March. I think that's my standout. Yeah. And I've got I've got a couple of uh, friends that support Leeds at work, so it, like finally they can have a little bit of banter with us, you know. So that'll be when they beat us. Well, yeah, you never know. You, like we we don't often do well against newly promoted sides anyway. We underestimate them all the time, so I wouldn't be surprised if we did lose. I won't be surprised if we lose to Leeds and then beat the team after, that are like Everton or whatever they are, whatever it was. Man United away. Man United, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that wouldn't surprise me if it was Man United away that we end up beating after losing to Leeds at home. So it's just, um, I think as much as that start of the season is a little bit, well, it's, it's quite harsh to a certain extent. I, a little bit of me don't want to write us off though, because... That last, the last four games of the season, five games of the season, like we saw, we saw a glimpse of what potential was in our squad. And in the day, we've not lost Rice yet this year. We've no. we've not added anyone, which is what we'll get to shortly. But what that that Bowen him, you know, I feel like there's. Like an, an Antonio up front, and I feel like we we we, sh- we showed enough at the end of the season to make me want to watch us. Sometimes I feel like I watch us because I have to watch us because it's my team. But at the end of the season, I felt like I wanted to watch us. Like I was excited about the game starting because I knew we was going to start creating stuff and start creating chances, and that's something that was missing for pretty much most of the season. Um. And I think, I, I honestly do think people, like, if judging by our form at the end of the season, other teams would be quite wary of us. Beforehand, they'd be like, oh, they're just, just it on the wings, get some balls in the box and we'll beat them. But I think now Bowen is hitting form and Antonio's like a goal-scoring machine. Well, uh, I think other teams will be a little bit wary of that. So it might be okay. We might be might be better than we think we will. Fair enough. Let, let me quickly uh, go through the fi- the preseason fixtures so people are, are aware. Um, so yesterday on Tuesday the twenty fifth, we played two games at exactly the same time: one at Portman Road against Ipswich, and one at Adams Park against Wickham. And we'll come on to the scores of that later. Um, on Saturday, we play at the London Stadium. We play Brentford. Um, Tuesday, the 1st of September, we play Reading away at the Badeski. And then in the Betway Cup at the London Stadium, we play Bournemouth. And that'll be our last friendly, which is on September the 5th, before we go into Newcastle. So we are literally now two weeks away from the start of the season. That don't sound right. It really don't. It doesn't, does it? Considering we only finished, what, four weeks ago? Yeah. It's mad. And we've just had the Champions League and stuff. It's like... it's. I'm ready for it to be back, though. I'm not sure I am. No, I, I think I'm. I'm kind of looking forward to the England games next week, and I think that'll get me more in. Uh, get me, get me more into it. But we've, we've no fans. The non-league football's not apparently starting until the nineteenth, um, which always gets me in, in, into the football spirit. Going over to the, the local non-league club, so I think um, I think it's going to take me a while to get into it this season. But. It's an interesting start. I'm sure when we beat Newcastle, I'll be into it until we lose the next four. Wait, wait, no. <laughs> Daryl never predicts us a win. He's just predicted some there. We're definitely coming back to that moment. But when we get when we get to the actual Newcastle podcast next week, I'll predict three-one Newcastle. I've lost my uh, optimism. So uh, let's move on from the fixture list uh, and let's talk about the board and. Uh, the lack of the lack of transfers into the club this year and Should out. We just all go on mute and let Daryl rant for the next twenty I, minutes. I, I, I'm ready to do that. This, look, we'll all talk first, and, I, and I'll, have, I'll have my bit to say when it comes up. So I believe we've let two people out the club um, so far, uh, yeah. which is Jordan Hugill uh, for two million, something like that, and oh, three million. Yeah, and Albion at Ajeti. For I think five mil to Celtic, two strikers, uh, which technically leaves us with one recognised striker in our squad. Okay, um, we signed these players for quite a lot of money. We have taken a massive, massive hit on selling these two strikers, which obviously doesn't help the club um, and shows what a joke I believe the board are. 
Um, there's been a lot of people going around on Twitter and stuff recently saying that they think there's something fishy going on, which there could be, but we don't know, so we're not going to speculate too much into that. But um, for me, what what what's your before I get into it? What's your thoughts on those two on those two transfers going out of the club and the and the very low um, pricing of the pair of them? I think a jetty was the uh, did really made sense. A jetty didn't get any game time, but the Hugo one, it was like he's a goal scorer in the championship. Surely he's worth more than what uh, they paid. But I don't know what his wages were. Whether he was on extortionate wages. I think, or I think he was on about forty grand a week. Well, us fifty yeah. grand, Hugo. Obviously, yeah. That's a lot. To be fair, that's quite a fair bit, and it's it's frustrating because it just feels like. I get that those players potentially had to move on because they're not good enough, but it just doesn't... There is no news about somebody coming in to replace them. Like, there is yeah. nothing. Like, uh, there's, there's nothing happening, and it just is so infuriating. The only players you're being linked with, one looks like he's going to Palace, the other one looks like he's going to Celtic, and we're here like, are we going to sign anyone this summer? The problem is... Yeah. You could sort of get with it, right, if if we had um, some really good youth strikers coming through and you could potentially put them in a the first-team squad and you know they'd do a good job. You've got Zande Silva there, but I'm not sure, right? We're going in with one recognised striker and Antonio. Now, Antonio scored all his goals last, at the end of last year, but he's injury-prone. Hannah's had, had, had injuries. Antonio's probably better off as a wide man. That's really going to leave us short. And as as Jay said, I, I don't see where a, a signing is going to come from for us this year. Also, the fact that we're getting outbid for players that are Moyes' main targets, like SA from QPR. He was Moyes' main target this year. And we have not put apparently one single bid in for him. And we are being like outmuscled by teams like Palace. Palace of, of anyone, right? This is going to, we're going to be left. We're going to start being left behind. We're already struggling against relegation anyway most seasons, and I think that's three out of four in the London Stadium. We are we've been in relegation battles until they go. We are going to be in this situation. We might have the the occasional year where we look brilliant. Like in my, I've got a thing this year. We're going to do quite well and finish probably ten, like eighth to tenth. But you just know next year, unless unless things start happening with a club, we're going to be back in that back in that situation where we've got no manager and we're fighting relegation again. I can't. I can't see where. I, I I can't see where the progression is with this club. We got promised um, Champions League football, cup runs, all this, and it's just not happening. And it's. I just don't know what we're going to do with this ball. I'd be quite happy with just having bloody mid-table for more than one season. That'd be nice, just as a start, and a decent cup run at least to sort of give us, like an idea of um, where we're going. The problem that I think that we have is that a lot of the players, like your Andersons and like, not necessarily Haller, because I think, I do feel like he's not necessarily been played to his strengths, but when you've got these players that are on high wages, like Wilshere, that players are kind of using our, using us as a, uh, almost not a stepping stone as such. It's more of like a, an easy, an, an easy life because, they're just getting too much of like higher wages. They're not like when you're playing from when you when you're playing for a big club, and I'm talking like Uniteds and Chelsea's and stuff. They're on big money, but they're also playing for that name. So they know if they don't perform and they don't keep up, they've got so much back in the clubs that they're going to get replaced. So they've got to get their arse in gear and earn the money that they're given. Whereas a club like us, yeah, it's great. We can pay them the wages, but they they're not they're not put under pressure because they've they've already got the big wages. They've got no one up their ass pushing them out, so they can they can afford to be slack. And and that's this is where the players like Bowen that comes in that wants to prove himself, and you know become the player. You know, just get take that chance it's been given and just take it with like all, all he can that's why you're getting these sort of performances out of these players 
and then you don't get that performance from these top top players and um and and the the problem is like I've said Sullivan is a little bit of a he's a he's a proper wheeler dealer so he'll do everything he can on the cheap almost it's like you, they're trying to blow smoke over your eyes you know a little bit all the time okay so here's we we that they showed a little bit of ambition in getting Pellegrini but with that they it's. It's almost like they they do one thing really good and then they do five other things really shit that completely counteract the good thing they just did. Do you know what I mean? I I can't quite explain what I mean, but I do I do agree. Um, and you bang on that there's just there's something really not right with them. Um, nah, Mick, what's your thoughts on it? All? Yeah, I don't think there's any much more I can really add. Um, just on the back of what Skidder said there about players playing for big clubs and you've got that added pressure. I think the other thing about that as well is if you go to a big club with a, a lot of, like a real spotlight shone on you and you don't perform, that can be a real reputation damager. Like you look at, even for instance, Pogba before the last few games of last season when he was sort of playing alongside Fernandes and putting some good performances, he was getting ridiculed for, for his like a couple of seasons at Man United, his being injury prone, not putting in a shift. And that can really damage someone's career in terms of your next move. Like you're not going to get the big money again and you're going to struggle to find a new club. I think, I mean, you could even say similar about Bale, really. Not that he didn't perform because he did. It's just the whole... Um, sort of men- mentality of, of the player not wanting to it's just happy to sit there and collect a paycheck which you can argue quite a few of our players potentially are in that boat and that's the danger it's a double-edged sword if you're not willing to pay the big wages you're not going to get the players in but if you are paying the big wages you risk bringing in players that are there for the money and don't particularly care, not nece- not even necessarily about the club, because I'm not of an opinion that someone has to have this big passion for a club to play for them. No. Because at the end of the day, you're there doing the job. I, I don't go to my work every day and go, I love working for this company. I'm there to get paid. Um, but at the same time, you, you're expected to to do a job and at least put a certain amount of effort into it. So, yeah, But if you didn't do your job, Matt, you'd get sacked. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day recording a podcast, mate. So, yeah, no, but I mean, if you didn't do what you needed to be done, yeah, then yeah. you know, you know, go get someone else to do your job. Yeah, that's, that's the difference, you know. Like, the problem is, you live in a uh, in the football world, the first person who gets the blame is always the manager before the players. We live in a society where it's easier to sack a manager than it is to sack all your players. So, that's what happens, like. Yeah. It's that, definitely player, it's player run, isn't it? It's, and that's comes really from that Chelsea side back in the day. That all that player power, and that's just JT and Cole and yeah. All that. I know it was, it was obviously before that anyway. That managers would obviously get the sack first, but player power has really taken over. And um, I think there was something that Harry Redknapp said all those years ago when it was um, like just the English team. It used to be so much easier to manage because. One, they're all on the same, uh, all got the same language barrier, all on the same sort of level with with the club and the countries it is. Once we started to bring in all these foreign players, which was at West Ham was Harry's fault, that was Harry's Harry's doing. It becomes so much harder to manage a team because players only players have different languages, uh, different different styles, different training regimes. So it all becomes harder um, to really just, and and that all goes in down to the manager because they're bringing they're making them signings. So that's why the manager's first one out. And these contracts that players have are so good for them that you can't really just go, we're going to release you. We'll shoot. We're not going to release you because another team will pick them up and they'll probably come score against us next week. And that's why agents get paid so much money as well because they yeah. they do... I mean, they do a job. You've got like your, your few... I read um, a book uh, last year about all about the finances in football and... Um, the, he, he spoke a lot. He, he's a football lawyer, the guy that wrote it, um, and he spoke a lot about agents and how you get like your mini Riolas, who are your super agents, and earn these massive amounts of money, who sort of give agents a bad name. But he said agents in football are very important, especially for your players. The lower down the divisions you go, um, and like your your 
have an agent representing God knows how many players. And he said it's especially very important that a young player gets a good agent that is working in their interests because it is a short career as a footballer. Like you're you may be at your peak of your powers for if you have a good career, you're at the top for fifteen years. Fifteen years. Like yeah, and then give or take. So you understand why they do it. You've got to set yourself up for the rest of your life. But at the same time, you you are there to do a job and you've got to, got to back it up as well. That's it. Like, you, you keep hearing about we're trying to sign players from the same agent, which obviously makes sense in a way. But that's what these agents do. They get big, big pools of players. Yeah. And they I get feel- so much money from that. Right. Um, this, look, I think the board, the chat about the board is going to get more and more over the coming weeks, especially with the lack of transfers. Um, if we if we start selling some more players, because I'm I'm sure there's going to be a big big for there's going to still be a bid for Rice at some point. Um, I can't see it happening now. I, I just X said it the other day. I'm sure I'm sure it was X that expect expect a bid, and it'll be with money and some players. Expect a bid coming in at some point, right? Because they still want him. It's just if they if they can afford him now, we we don't know. But with the financial fair play being on a downturn this year because of what's gone on, teams like Chelsea now are not going to really worry about it. So if they've got the money to pay it, they'll do it. So we've just I think we've got to be aware about that. Um, for those that are, for those that were asking yesterday, I believe that Rice and Fabianski might have been isolating. That's why they were not playing yesterday. Uh, yeah, Rice just got selected, so he would have yeah. to run into an isolation bubble. I'd imagine yeah. it's the same for Fabianski. And I believe that was the same with Fabianski as well. Yeah. Um, remember so as well, the transfer window's open until the start of October, so there's still sort of five, six weeks left on that. Yeah, so I, I reckon there'll be a lot more, especially if we get off to a bad start. Um, in the first three games, there'll be a lot of chat about signings and stuff like that. So it shouldn't come to that. It shouldn't come to that, but that's the ball. That's the way they play. Um, and obviously, no one's really happy with the ball, but that's that's one of those things. We're going to go to a quick break. Um, I'm going to leave the goal that we're going to play down to our editor for today, James, so he can just pick one and play it, and you'll hear it now. Ebue. Now it's Rio Coca. Again. The Arsenal attack becalmed on the... West Ham defence. Neil and Zamora will get here. Oh, and Zamora has poached a brilliant goal for West Ham. An absolute steal. But what a priceless goal it could be. OK, and that was goal of choice by James. And none of us really know it yet, but we've got the sort of idea. Um we're going to go on to friendlies yesterday, the friendly results. So, as I said earlier, West Ham played two friendlies at exactly the same time. We don't need signings. We don't. Look at our two teams. We went out and won by an aggregate of nine to two. Sod the t- other transfers. True. But... <laughs> <laughs> that was there, like, I don't. But I can't argue. Yes, We've got the Angana. That's like a new signing. Yeah, you've, got a good, you've got a good point. Um, Let's, we'll talk about the Ipswich game first because I don't. Ipswich is the one that I don't think any of us actually see apart from highlights, which I watched just before the podcast this morning. Yeah. Uh, so um, at Portman Road, we won four-one. Okay, and the scorers were Haller with three, and Zuschek with one. Now I'm very happy that Haller's back on the score sheet, but if if you've watched them highlights, you should have had six. Um, he missed two absolute sitters before he scored his first one. Um, the first miss that he had was an unbelievable touch to get himself open in the box and then just couldn't put a ball in the back of the net. Um, so from the, just from the highlights of that game, um, you've got to give Haller some praise. Um, Ian Garner um, looked phenomenal again at times. I was actually pretty impressed just from the highlights of the way Anderson passed the ball and um, Yarmolenko looked quite tidy as well but from a very small sample point of highlights we can't really give a big um, I've, I've just seen that touch you're on about it's a hell of a touch it is it, it takes it, it takes him so clear and if it's on his right foot it goes in it's just a shame that it's on it's onto yeah, his I left foot I think that's the only thing about it, it? But still as, a, right. as a Premier League striker 
you, to be you, fair though, it's also a terrible pass by Yarmolenko if it's going behind him and he's got to drag it. Yeah, potentially, but he's done he's done the hard bit. The, the the bit where he's finishing should be should be easy for someone like that. True. Um, the goal for Ipswich was from um, an ex West Ham player who I think a lot of us have got fond memories of from back in the day, and that was um, Freddie Sears, and it wasn't a bad finish um, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that's that's all we can really give on that. From have all three of you watched the highlights? No, as we speak, Daryl. Actually, I'm watching them as we speak. Okay, Miggy, I think you've watched them. Yep, I've watched the Wickham one. That's it. Mig, any thoughts from the Ipswich highlights? Yeah, I think um, encouraging. I know. I mean, it's obviously it's, it's pre-season. It's hard to say. It's against a, a, a fairly poor side in Ipswich, but. <clears throat> As you say, I think the the one that really stuck out to me was Deanne Garner. And he put two goals on a plate for Haller. Um, with the first one taken on the defenders. Um, nice little bit of skill. Maybe it went out of play. Hard to tell, really. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I think, I think, I think not quite all over the line. But, but he's done well. He's beaten two defenders, pulled it back, and Alice, Alice finished that one. Um, and then the second one, he's just threaded a lovely ball between the defenders and, um, to sort of the edge of the six-yard box and Alice smashed it into the roof of the net. And even for Alice's third goal as well, it's um, defensive error, but it's Deanne Garner putting the pressure on the defender, which has um, led to him um, losing the ball and Alice basically putting it into an open goal. So they're the main two takeaways. Again, Suchet and another header, um, we'll getting in at the back stick. Wilshire, yeah, Wilshire played some good passes when he got on. Even um, to be fair, um, for Haller's second goal, Sushek, um got the ball on the edge of the box and played the ball out to Deanne Garner, uh, which was a nice ball. So I think there's a lot of encouraging things there to take away. Um, I think overall across the day, if you've got two squads that are both putting in good performances and both scoring lots of goals, it, it can only be a good sign. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention quickly from that, um, Connor Coventry played in an out-of-position right-back uh, for him, what a lovely boy it was for Zuschek's goal. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think the only thing I would say about that goal as well, it's a good cross, don't get me wrong, but I think um, the keeper... Oh, the keeper's had a stinker. Yeah, <laughs> so. Potentially the centre, the, the defender's a bit lightweight, maybe a Premier League defender defends that better, but you've got to give him credit for the ball. And actually the pass, I don't know who it was, um, and I really can't tell you who it was, but for Haller's second miss... Um, there's this long diagonal from, I believe it was our left back. Is it Ajabi Alessi? Alessi, that's who it was. Yeah. Uh, pings it right onto Hallis chest, which was cracking. So there was real, um, real pros, um, real, pro, uh, real positive, sorry, to come out of that game um, and not a lot of negatives. Now let's move on to the one that I think a lot of us watched at the time or have seen bigger highlights of mm. um, Wickham. Uh, Adams Park again, two o'clock. Uh, we won 5 1. So the goal scorers were Arthur Masawaku. Um, and it was an own goal by Darius Charles. What an own goal. I thought it was Roberto. What, what a cracking, what a cracking own goal. Uh, Manuel Lanzini gets back on the score sheet finally, and two from Jared Bowen. James um, is just sitting there loving life that his man Bowen has scored two goals. I watched most of the game um, via YouTube and the football we played in that game was phenomenal at times. Now, it's only against a Wickham, but we created chance after chance after chance for that 45 minutes. And um, I, don't, I still don't think I've seen the Arthur Masaretto go because I believe they missed it on the camera and I've not seen it since. I haven't seen it probably either. Great, great camera work. But yeah. it, apparently it was a rocket. Yeah. Oh, off it was awful, awful camera work. It was zoomed in almost like it was... They were showing, filming someone in the middle of the park about to play a pass, you know? Fantastic. And then he's like, I thought the cameraman didn't know he was going to shoot at the edge of the area and just zoomed out before it was too late. <laughs> just, I yeah. just want to throw it back quickly. I'm just re-watching the Ipswich highlights again. Um, but Yarmolenko hits the post earlier in the second half and the little through ball from Haller, he does a, he's facing the opposite way and does a little back heel yeah. through to Yarmolenko. That was, that was cheeky. I'm I'm looking forward to Haller this year. Really am. Um, let's go back to the other one. Um, now, I think Antonio was a little bit um, missing um, at times, but he did run the line well. Um, that middle three of Bowen, Fornells and Lanzini looked very good. Uh, I think Lanzini really put himself about a lot. Yeah, I think, I think hopefully, um, 
now he's had a, what a year and a half since that injury. Yeah. Hopefully, he gets back into the manner that we that we know and love. I'm not holding too much hope into that, but and again, it's only against a lowly Wickham side. But um, you've got that's, you've got, that's you've got, it though, isn't it? Yeah, you've got, you've got, but you've got to push that forward. Hopefully, he does it again and he gets more chances. Because if you look at it that way, you look at the two teams that went out. If you put that whole squad together, we've got some bloody good players um, that can all play really well in that side. So we've got to look at that. Um, a couple of a couple of other people that stand out um, for me in this game was Baptiste at centre half. He's only sixteen, and again, it's it wasn't Akinfenwa or anyone like that for them. But he, he, I don't think he put a foot wrong for the whole time he was on the pitch. Ogbonna looked good. Noble looked good. Um, I know Jamie don't like that, but he looked. He Jamie's looked just going to say Noble's found his level. <laughs> <laughs> but, newly promoted league on side. It's not wrong. But they uh, look. you find they're a newly promoted championship side. Yeah. I newly promoted from League One. That's what I meant, man. But um, I'm ve- I'm, I was very happy with the performance um, from both teams. Anyone got any thoughts on the Wickham game? I was. Kind of watching it, I was getting a little bit frustrated because it was almost like they just didn't want to use their other foot. I was like, they kept cutting in but not shooting, cutting in, cutting in, cutting in, passing, cutting in, passing. It was like they were trying to do too much sometimes. When I felt like just sometimes I just need to it, it just have a shot, just test the keeper out a little bit more. Um, but other than that, I thought. Um, I didn't watch enough of it to sort of have a huge definitive opinion, really, if I'm honest. I just watched little bits and bobs, saw some decent, nice bit of football in parts. Um, the usual suspects playing well. Um, good to see Masawako at least have a bit more game time. And, uh, other than that, really, um, yeah, I think other teams would probably give us a bit more of a test. It's, uh, it's hard to judge on two teams that aren't particularly that strong. So yeah, that's, that's a player who has found his level. Well, for Masawaku, there's <laughs> yeah, a bit, ne- bit of negative there, but that's our first pre-season, our first pre-season friendly. I know they've not had a long break off. Um, two squads, a lot of under twenty threes and under eighteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably a, a lot of them at that under twenty threes and under 18s level. That is probably their level currently. Yeah, it's probably like I said. It was, it was it was there was some really good football in times. So it was like, I think Brentford will be a tough one on Saturday, especially if they've still got um, the likes of Ben Rama and Watkins and that back and playing and getting fit. Because um, I'm surprised they're still there at the moment. Um, Watkins is linked to Villa, isn't he? Oh, if he goes to Villa and not and we don't look at him, I'll be livid with the board. Villa, <laughs> like that. That'll be that'll be. That'll be so bad. <laughs> that'll be so, so West Ham. I would, I would love to. I'd love it to happen just to watch Daryl explode. Yeah, <laughs> you'd have to take the video for that podcast because I'll be so red in the face. Right, and then I'll break my laptop. You look like you've just walked up a flight of stairs. Exactly. <laughs> or, or just eating breakfast. Um, breakfast. Any slice of toast. <laughs> right. There's, um, We've got to We're going to quickly talk about the um, England squad. Um. And I will get into a little bit of uh, a, a problem I have with West Ham fans in general about this squad um, and a couple of arguments I had last night. But um, I, want, I want to point out something. Yeah, first thing that, yeah, that doesn't sound like you. <laughs> the, first, the first thing I noticed about this squad, and it's in the defensive area. Shall I read the squad out first? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Squad. <laughs> squad. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> So we have what? Um, I might pull out on a loop at the end. Squad. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Pickford, um, Nick Pope, Dean Henderson. No, I don't think that's the right squad. Yes, it is. Is Ben Chilwell? Is Ben Chilwell been put back in the squad? Is he? No, he's been picked. Right. I'll, I'll go. I'll go with it then. So that's the three keepers. Then you have got Trent Alexander-Arnold, Tyrone Mings, Kieran Trippier, Fikayo Tomori, Joe Gomez, Kyle Walker. Michael I definitely King. had the wrong squad. I had the wrong squad. <laughs> Declan Rice, <laughs> Mason Mount, Harry Winks, Eric Dyer, James Ward-Prowse, Harry Kane, Jaden Sancho, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford and Tammy Abraham. And I know Chilwell is injured at the moment, so that's why he's not in there. But there is no left-back in that squad. We've got three right-backs and no left-back. How's he forgotten about the best left-back in the country? Aaron Creswell. 
Where is he? Get him in there. Get him out of my team. If I had to watch if I had to watch him for England, then West Ham. I have no idea who's going to play at left back, or if they're going to go like three centre half. I think he goes three centre half. But then we, I assume we've got to call another centre half in because obviously Maguire is. It'd be be Carl. It'd be Carl Walker, wouldn't it? He might. He might bring a left back in now. Unless Carl Walker, Walker, um, the guy from Liverpool, and. Probably. The guy from Liverpool. I can't think of his name. Alexander-Arnold. Gomez. It don't really sound very English. Oh, That's why I forgot it. Um, um, I could even potentially see Eric Dyer playing at left-back. Oh, now that is criminal. That is bad. But he's, he, he, he's a sort he of he's a utility off, player, isn't he? he could, you, you just throw him in anywhere. I don't know why he's in the squad. He's been terrible. I wouldn't be surprised if he puts Rice there. He needs throwing. Dyer needs throwing a bin, mate. Yeah. Rubbish player. Hang on, where is? I'll tell you who's missing from this. Um, Surprise, is Luke Shaw still injured? Because he had an half decent end of the year. Yeah. Because, I'll tell you who is missing from that. I don't actually know who could do a job at left back there. No, but um, the lad from Leeds, where's he? he There was was, was someone from Leeds up there. Yeah, Calvin Phillips is in there. Yeah, so why was he not on the, the list I had? Because everything else was right. Yeah. That's that's something that I wanted to bring up. So, uh, Gareth Southgate said about um, Jack Grealish this time last year that he needed more Premier League um, experience before he got a call-up to the England squad. And for uh, like, I'm quite a big fan of Jack Grealish as a player. I, I think he's an idiot, but he's a good player. Um why is he not in this squad when Calvin Phillips is? Now, I know Calvin Phillips looks good. Um, I've not seen loads of him. Yeah. Uh, but at, um, at, a, at a, a level that he played at in the Championship, he was one of their like, best players. Why is he now in the squad and Jack Grealish isn't? Um, yeah, first... I'll tell you what, I've, I, my, that, that list I had was also slightly <laughs> incorrect. Um, <laughs> that was on the official <laughs> FA website as well. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. Because um, there, there was no Danny Ings on that list either, and he's in there. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if Phil Foden was on the list I said. Phil Foden. He was on the yeah. list that I saw. But yeah, so the FA. So again. So, <laughs> I've got it yeah. in front of me. I've Abraham, got Alexander Arnold, Dyer, Odin, Gomez, Greenwood, Dean Henderson, Danny Ings, Harry Kane, Michael Keane, Harry Maguire is now out. Tyrone Mings, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope, Marcus Rashford, Declan Rice, Jaden Sancho, Raheem Sterling, Kieran Trippier, Kyle Walker, Walt Prowse, and Harry Winks. Yeah, thankfully, we finally got there. Um, FA, update your website. So, we'll play Trippier then, won't he? The one thing... Yeah, uh, but he's still... Potentially play Trippier at left back. He could potentially play him at left back. The one thing I would say about Calvin Phillips and Jack Grealish is they are two different positions... Calvin Phillips are holding midfielder and Grealish is an attacking midfielder. Yeah, but you've already technically got Declan and Eric Dyer in there as holding midfielders. And Harry Winks. I would say Eric and Dyer. Harry Winks. I would still argue Calvin Phillips is going into a position where potentially the quality is lower. Then I'd argue it's easier to get into the England squad as a CDM right now than it is attacking midfielder. And yeah, Grealish, I mean, you look at our attacking. So if you look at more attacking players that we've got in that squad, you've got. I'd say Foden, Mount, I'd put in that category as well. And then, like, you you want, you've got Abraham, Greenwood, Sancho, Rashford, Ings, Kane, and Sterling. Like that. James Madison's not in the squad. Yeah. That is is a deep attacking lineup. So So, let me me take a segue from what you just said then with the Jack Grealish thing. So I'm on a lot of the West Ham forums on Facebook last night. And the amount of people, and I'll put this again, deluded people that think Mikel Antonio should be in that squad <laughs> over some of them, right? And I was losing my shit with these people last night, giving me, oh, yeah, but he scored the most, he scored the most goals uh, since lockdown. Yeah, he did. Fantastic. But he's not better than these players. He's not better than Haller half the time. Like, yeah, he's, he's cracking for West Ham, and we love him at West Ham. But the geezer can't pass five yards. He can't cross, <laughs> he can't cross the ball. He can't actually shoot. Like he scored, he scored some cracking goals, but they're all mainly in the area and, and tap-ins and headers. Right? I had this bloke at me last night. Yeah, but he can bang the ball from 40 yards. He can cross it from anywhere. He heads the ball. He runs people. I'm like, what game are you watching, fella? Yeah, I think like, he's got him confused with someone else. I, know, he's I like, think it's more, if you pick him, it's short-termism. 
If yeah. you pick him, he's not going to be there past the next tournament. He's 30 he's years old. He's not going to play ahead of any of them. No, 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 no but, but then potentially you could argue, I'm not saying, I personally don't think he gets in that squad. But if someone argued, I think he's better than this player, but they go, that player's getting into that squad because he's more likely to be there in four years, I'd actually sit there and go, you've made a valid point. Like Tammy but, Abraham. Yeah. You could make someone could make the argument. I think Antonio is better than Abraham. I don't think that, but I could get why someone says it. But if in foot they say, however, Abraham might be there at the next Euros or the next World Cup, Antonio won't. Then you have to sit there and go fair. And I agree with you in the point of I think he shouldn't be in the squad. It's more people saying like, oh, he's been so good. Ten games doesn't make you England quality player straight away. I think Foden's quite lucky to get into that squad, if I'm honest. Uh, Foden, yeah, potentially, but I think as you as you said, we're looking at Foden now to but rest going on. If Foden's got in that squad, why is not Grealish? I'd yeah. argue Grealish should be in there before Foden. But another thing with this Mikel Antonio on this one bloke, I can't remember his name. Um, he, he, put up, he, he put up the. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be throwing people's names out on here. <laughs> I'll, I'll call people out. I don't care. He put, he put um, he put his the stats up from those ten games since lockdown, and he was like, yeah, but he's he's like topping everything. I was like, I tell you what, then go back and fr- go back and find me those exact stats from the last three seasons, and f- and see where Michael Antonio is on that list. And he was like, yeah, but why would I do that? He's playing well now. No, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean nothing. We had too many England managers who thought to who f- was thinking short term, and Southgate's yeah. come in and kind of been looking further ahead than just. It's ridiculous, and it's yeah. Weird. The way the way I've looked at it in the past with the England managers is that uh, they've came in and they've been a lot of yes men all the time, and they've picked on reputation rather than form. And um, I think the way the difference is between it is that it's almost like the the are the last managers picked for convenience rather than seeing a project. Southgate's picks. Although some people obviously will disagree, it's natural to disagree with a squad selection, right? But he sort of picked a squad almost like he's looked into the future. Okay, this is, I want to do what Germany did a few years back. Jamal, one problem with that, James, and I, I do agree with your point. This goes on, and I know there's obviously people unavailable because of. Um, Champions League and stuff finishing and, st- and stuff like that and moving into the season. But if he's picking his squad now for the Nations League, is this the look? Is this the squad he's looking at taking to the Euros in? Um, I, I, reckon, I reckon the majority of it probably will be. I just think that there's obviously you got you got there's players like Hen- is Henderson not playing? Henderson's, no, Henderson's in the squad. He's in the squad, Jordan, yeah. Henderson. Yeah, so obviously there's players like him that are probably going to be cut the first names on the team sheet. So and so you're going to probably he knows that he's going to want him there as a senior player next year. So he's probably using this opportunity to look at players that okay, are there any that could step up to this level on a on a consistent basis? Because as much as Henderson, I wouldn't look at him and think, oh, yeah, he's a world-class centre midfielder. When you compare him to someone like Stephen Gerrard or Lampard we've had in the past, or Skulls, even, you know. But he's very, very consistent and he's a very, very good club captain for Liverpool. Better than Gerrard, though, because he captained his side to a Premier League title. <laughs> never did that. That is such no. an awful... The key thing is, we have got, as it stands, we'll, we'll probably have a couple more fixtures um, added but as it stands, we've got seven fixtures between now and the start of the Euros. You want to be looking at building your side that you are going to take into that first yes. group stage game. Yeah, of course. World Cup qualities. No, so at the moment we've got um, Iceland and Denmark in this round, which are two Nations Leagues. Then we've got Friendly against Wales in October at Wembley. Then we've got the rest of the Nations League um, in October and November. So that's Belgium, Denmark, Belgium, Iceland. And then as it stands, we've got nothing between November and June. So there will be fixtures there. But there's no World Cup yeah. qualifiers. Here's a question, because we now we've only got a year between Euros and um, World Cup. Well, it's, still, it's 18 months, really, isn't it? Because it's Eight, a yeah. winter 
tournament. Yeah, of course it is. So they'll be able to get the they'll be able to get the qualifiers in in a pretty short space of time. Probably up yeah, they'll all be in between. Um, yeah, so they'll, they'll probably start next this. September. Up until the end of June, maybe. Yeah, there won't be any there qualifiers and where they normally do those friendlies, they'll do. Uh, yeah, what's it called? Fair enough. Do we know our group for that yet? The Euros? No, for the um, World Cup qualies. And I don't believe so. Because they would have technically been starting now. Let me let me look that up. Uh, but anyway, um, so going forward over the next uh, couple of weeks, we'll have one next week. And we'll talk about again uh, some friendlies, some bold news, um, and we'll look forward. We'll probably look forward to the England game, maybe against Iceland. I believe is the first one. No, nothing's out yet. Okay, but the um, Nations League I think affects it as well. So yeah, so okay. if you win your Nations League groups, you are automatically. Um, I don't know if you win your group, if you're in like the top tier, you automatically qualify. I think right, it's all okay. confusing, isn't it? So, yeah, so next week we'll have an episode. We'll talk, again, bold transfers, the, uh, Brentford, the Brentford fixture, the Reading fixture, potentially. Um, and then the week after, we'll really gear up with the preview to Newcastle and we'll get right into the season. Pre-season assumptions. And yeah, what? and, yeah, we'll sort of predict how the season is going to go. So how many points not, I, think I'm going to be very, I think I'm going to be very reserved this, this time on my prediction. 7 I'm predicting three one losses every week for the first time. I don't think I'll be predicting any time soon that we'll be getting in the top eight, nowhere near. I'm not, so I'm not going top ten. I'm gonna go twelfth, I reckon. So that'll still be that still be progression though. Let's see how many of these preseason friendlies we win. If we win all of them, we're gonna get relegated. Um Yeah. Right. Whenever we have a good preseason, we fuck up the we'll league. Struggle. Yeah. So we're gonna call it a day now. Um thank you for listening. It's good to be back. Mm. It's good to see West Ham in two games in a day. We don't normally get that in about three weeks. <laughs> um, so uh, the last thing we're going to say is come on your wines. Come on your wines. Come on your wines. Squad. 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 Squat, 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 squat.